everyone always has something to say relative to education. I think the fact that so many people have opinions and perspectives on the schools is wonderful. School districts are very complicated. I will tell you that assumptions get made and sometimes they're correct and many times they are not. And I want to help people understand. We are educating kids for their future, not our past. Welcome, everybody, to Leading Education with Jeff Rose. I am Jeff Rose, and while I am not here with my partner in crime today, I am here with an incredible guest I'm just thrilled to have. In fact, likely this show will be airing the 5th of July. So let me just say to all of our listeners, I hope that you had a wonderful and safe 4th of July, and you are preparing for more R&R with your friends and family over the weekend. I know that um, I will be doing the same. In fact, this is, this is my first time in Georgia in the last 20-something years for 4th of July. So I always spent that in, in Oregon with family, but uh, this year we are staying here and we're thrilled about that. So without further ado, I am going to be talking about uh, this character sitting across from the table here in a second, <laughs> but I would like to welcome Jerome Huff. Welcome, Jerome, to the Thank show. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Rose. Appreciate that. Now, let, let me tell you about Jerome. Jerome has an incredible history, and he's here because you know he's somewhat of an, a, a principal extraordinaire. In fact, that's how Jerome and I know each other. When I was superintendent here in Fulton County, Jerome was, was the principal of Roswell High School. And, of course, he has a history prior to Roswell High School. He was, even in Fulton County, he was the principal of an elementary school, Roswell North Elementary School, and then Elkins Point Middle School in Roswell, Georgia, and then moved on to take over the principalship in 2011, Roswell High School. And his time there was um, impressive and, and wow. momentous in a number of ways. And so there's some, there's some data but he's not here because of data. But let me just mention these things. While there, graduation yes. rate increased from 67% to 90%, which um, is impressive, almost, almost ridiculous. Roswell High School was named the STEM Merit School for six consecutive years. It was named one of the best schools in the country, as cited by Newsweek Magazine, the Washington Post, for four consecutive years. And really, the reason that... Jerome is here is because we're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about school culture because data is one thing and data is impacted by the culture at the school. But there is a really important strategy as it relates to shaping and forming and norming culture. And so I am going to very soon give this over and ask Jerome a series of questions. But um, one kind of entree into the topic. 
I want to mention a, um, a legend on the topic of culture, Roland Barth. Roland Barth is a speaker and a writer out of Harvard, and I've actually had an opportunity years and years ago, this will date me, um, to, to hang out with Roland. I've heard him speak a number of times, and while at Harvard, uh, over a summer program, I actually got to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with him, and um, I've always just been uh, fascinated by everything he has to say. This is an article out of 2002, so this is going way back out of ASCD, an educational leadership article, and this is what he said. Changing a toxic culture into a healthy school culture that inspires lifelong learning among students and adults is the greatest challenge of instructional leadership. Probably the most important and most difficult job of an instructional leader is to change the prevailing culture of a school. The school's culture dictates in no uncertain terms, quote, the way we do things around here. A school's culture has more, far more influence on life and learning in the schoolhouse than the president of the country, the State Department of Education, the superintendent, the school board, or even the principal, teachers, and parents can ever have. Roland Barth then goes on to explain that for a leader to lean into and impact and change the culture, solid leaders don't do that on their own. They know how to galvanize others and truly make a difference. And this is the best definition of the way we do things around here. Because the way we do things around here is really based upon you know, past history, a set of beliefs, whether those are unhealthy or healthy ones. And so, once again, um, Jerome is here because, you know, there, there is a culture at Roswell. And I can tell you from, as a superintendent, as I would roam schools, because that was literally my favorite way uh, to understand the overall culture and vibe of the school mm -hmm. district was to be in schools. Um, the culture of Roswell High almost slapped you in the face in a very, very <laughs> in a positive very good, way. In a, good in a way. very positive way. Yeah, you could yeah, just yeah. feel it, right? You yeah. could just feel it. And um, it was really obvious by the way just that you would walk and talk, and probably still do to this day, that your role was to influence culture mm -hmm. and, of course, all the other things and responsibilities a principal has. So... If we can jump right in, I'm going to start giving the floor to you. Does that make sense, Jerome? Absolutely. And, and you know, I must say that um, when you mention the 67% to 90% graduation rate, that sometimes I hear that and I see that and I still can't believe it. And you are so right. It, it wasn't me. You know, we knew there was this was something that we had to do. Uh, it's something that we wanted to do. So it was, what are we going to do? And we rolled up our sleeves. And it wasn't just, okay, it's just the counselor's problem or it's the assistant principal's problem, it's the administration's problem. It was everyone's problem, the teachers, any um, staff members that may have wanted to help. It was everyone's problem, and we found solutions. So um, from that 67%, every year until I left, I was there for six years, um, it, it kept increasing and increasing. Okay, we got to do something else, we got to do something else. But if we didn't have that positive culture of this is something that we want to do this is something we need to do not just for roswell of course it looks good for us but we need to do it for the kids because we want the middle school parents who are coming to go we're sending our kids somewhere where the staff and the teachers and the counselors and the principal and assistant principal they want our kids to succeed and they want to make sure that they graduate on time if possible 
So what better place than to, we're sending them to the right place if we send them to Roswell. So if that culture had not have been um, built, um, molded, um, then we, we would not have been successful. Everyone bought in. So the higher we kept going, the more we, more we wanted to do. And that's just for that particular, you know, um, um, situation that we had at Roswell High School. So. And success has a way of almost kind of breeding and fueling other success, doesn't it? Absolutely. Right, once um, you get a taste of it. Yeah, and sometimes it's almost like competition. Um, we, we have several, many AP um, programs at Roswell High School. So every now and then it's almost like, okay, which AP program can get the most fives or the most fours? So what a, I mean, what a great culture to have with that. You know, not, not only are the kids learning and achieving and getting ready for college, but the teachers are going, hey, look at, look at what I did. Look at what we did, rather. So what, what, a, what, a, what, a, what a positive thing to do. So one observation, Jerome, is that just listening to you, I think that you use the the word we forty mm-hmm. to fifty times. Okay. Right, and I Absolutely. think that I think that's a really important distinction. Absolutely. You, you continue to say we blank, we we we, and Absolutely. I think that that's going back to Roland Barthes' advice mm-hmm. is that this isn't something that a leader does. This Absolutely. is something that really is embraced by we. Absolutely. Right? And so. you know, a, a, a great example of that, my first year as principal was at Roswell North um, Elementary School. And I was the assistant principal there for one year. So I kind of knew the things that I needed to do. Well, we had a situation. My area superintendent at the time called me probably at the beginning of the summer and said, Jerome, good news and bad news. What do you want first? I said, I want the bad news first. Okay, the bad news is your assistant principal who was assigned to you, who's worked for you for a week. I said, yes, she's now been appointed a principal. I said, okay, great news. Now for the bad news, I went, okay, you won't get an assistant principal until probably the second or third week of school. Panic. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, And this I, is your first year as a principal? It was my first year as principal. So I didn't panic, but what I did was... Um, Having been at the school for for a year, we had some very capable people who were surrounding me, and I looked to them and said, "Listen, guys, we're not going to have an assistant principal the entire summer. We're not going to have an ass- assistant principal when school starts, but you know, two or three weeks after." And between the counselor and the instructional coaches and um, some of our lead teachers, we di- we all did the work of the assistant principal. We didn't miss a beat. We didn't miss protocol, but we all chipped in, and it was wonderful. And that sense of we took um, front and center stage because everyone felt that, you know what, I had a part in this. And we got the assistant principal, we filled her in, and it was as if she had not, you know, had not left at all. So um, it, that's one aspect of building people up. When you build people up, you start building positive climate, positive culture as well. So. Just one of me, and I, I'm probably going to share more stories, but that came to my mind, um, the first thing that came to my mind um, when it came to that, especially. When I was in Beaverton School District in Oregon before arriving here into Georgia, we went through a process around our strategic plan, specifically what do we want to be known for, etc. And one thing that kept coming up in our meetings with the community is everyone said they all want to be responsible. Mm -hmm. So the front of the strategic plan um, was was really focused on a two-letter word, we. Mm -hmm. 
we all had buttons that we wore that said we. Right, right. To remind ourselves that everyone is in mm -hmm. related to our ultimate goals for exactly, kids. Exactly, exactly. So before I, I jump in, I want to mention, once again, when we talk about culture, which sometimes I would say is when it comes to organizations, schools specifically, it is an overused and misunderstood word. So the definition for people to consider is, how about this, the way we do things around here. If that is the case for culture, climate refers to how people feel about it. So once again, culture, the way we do things around here, climate is the way people feel about that. So with that, Jerome, here we go. Question number one. Um, why is it, from your experience as a principal, a positive school climate, let's say culture though, culture mm -hmm. is important for staff and community. What, what makes that so critical from a principal's perspective? Um, the, first, the first thing, the example that comes to my mind, when I was assigned to Elkins Point Middle School, um, I was assigned there. I wasn't um, interviewed for it, so I don't know if that's good or bad or otherwise, but I was told of the climate of the school, and um, it was very, it was a little daunting, but I, I again, I knew what I needed to do, um, and, I, and I tried to give this advice to many new principals um, bef before they take over. Um, you need to talk to your staff. People think it's, it's kind of cliche. Oh, I'm going to talk to the staff. I'm going to talk to the parents. Blah, blah, blah. And it, it's kind of cliche-ish. But for me, I took it uh, literally. And I literally talked to staff members. I literally talked to parents. I literally talked to students to find out what's going on in the school. And once I got that information, I conferred with the assistant principals there. Um, I knew what I needed to do. And I kind of surgically went about all the things that they wanted or needed. I went about either tweaking them or changing them so that in a matter of weeks, they began, the, the climate of the school began to change. How did I know that? It's because the teachers told me, because the students told me, because the parents would email me or call me or stop me in the hall. So by October of that particular year, um, it was it was a different place. Um, there, there, it was a happy place. And middle school principals will tell you, oh my gosh, middle school, oh middle schoolers. But it was it it, it, was, it was phenomenal. Phenomenal. So um, it's important because you want your teachers to, of course, they have a reason to get up in the morning. But you want them to have a reason to get up and prepare those lessons in the morning. You want those kids to be excited to get on the bus because they know they have happy teachers there who, who are ready to teach them. And the parents are not reluctant on putting their kids on the bus or dropping them off at school because they know that the climate of that school is positive, it's engaging, it's refreshing, it's uh, fun, which is what school is supposed to be. So I always tell young principals, you know, don't underestimate the power of talking to your staff members and parents before you start the school. And don't wait, don't wait until it's too late to try to get something done. You gotta start from the first, we're really before the first day. So you mentioned um, qu quite a bit the, the impact of people feeling positive as it relates to a work environment, Correct. but even more importantly, students coming to Correct. school, knowing they're coming to even a happy place, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And that definitely is climate. W what do you remember you and your staff doing to shape 
the culture in order for people to feel better. Give me some examples on what are some of the things that you would actually do, right? The way we do things around here. Mm -hmm. You must have made some changes as a staff Correct. that impacted how people feel about it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, um, two things that come to my mind. Um, some of the teachers felt that they were pulling more weight than some of their counterparts. Okay. And Mr. Huff, it's, it's not fair. Jerome, it's not fair that I pull my weight and I do these things and I turn my lesson plans in and I teach a lesson that's, you know, that's, that's great. But when I see my counterparts who don't do it, it it's kind of deflating. I didn't know that ever happens in a school. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it said, Mr. What, you know, what do we do? I want to keep, I want to keep coming back. Right. So my administrative team, we begin to hold teachers accountable. Something that they should have been doing all along anyway, but we held them accountable to, you need, you need to teach your lessons. You need to make sure that the kids are engaged. You need to participate sometimes outside of, outside of the four walls. You need to be engaged in the hallways and don't just depend on, well, you know, Miss So-and-so will be there. It's, it's, it's not going to work. And the minute we begin to hold teachers accountable, then the teachers responded, you know, like, okay, this is really cool. And it didn't take long for that to happen because, one, because they didn't want to get in trouble. You know, but two, because I don't want to look bad in front of my coworkers. You know, how? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. And of course, you, you had some outliers. That's just common. But for the most part, teachers felt that they were listened to, that we listened to them to hold people accountable, just like we all should be. And you begin to see a difference there. Um, as far as um, the overall teachers feelings, um, they had an issue with um, discipline. Mm. So um, I've been told um, that I have to tam tame down my inner Joe Clark from Lean On Me, if you remember. <laughs> and uh, I don't look like Joe Clark, and I'm definitely not as tall as he is, but there is some Joe Clark in me, All right. as some folks will know. Um, but I, I listened to what they had to say, and there were some issues. So I began to tackle them, and, you, and again, once the issues were uh, being resolved, the teachers felt safer they felt that you know they could sigh uh, uh, um, a sigh of relief that they can actually teach and it is surprising when teachers know that their administrative team has their back not that we're gonna you know just punish kids and send them to the wilderness or anything but they knew that we you have to have control so they just they they felt that hey people are listening to me and when they when the teachers feel like you are listening to them and you're doing something with them when something um, comes down that, hey, guys, we have to do we have to do X, Y, and Z, something that we have to do, it is not hard for them to say, you know what, I'm going to do that. Jerome made this happen for us. The administrative team made this happen for us. We can do this. You know, no matter how hard the task is, we can do it. And that, those two things, it helped to, to build that positive climate where you wanted to come to work. I hear you talking about, you know, Covey describes this as a, a bank account, and he talks about a relationship bank account. And Absolutely. so one thing that he mentions is that it takes a certain amount of deposits Absolutely. before you can make some withdrawals. Absolutely. Right? And this is the case, I think, that when you're leading as well as just maybe, you know, marriage or whatever your relationship mm -hmm. may be is... Mm -hmm. You know, you build up this bank account as it relates to trust and right. cohesion. Exactly. You can't make withdrawals when mm -hmm. you haven't been deposited. You can mm -hmm. attempt to, 
but you will not get the same level of you know, Correct. cohesion and trust, et cetera, Correct. until you've deposited. And, and you know, that was, believe it or not, that was a little hard for me to do. Huh. My first year at Roswell North, my assistant principal, um, Elise, if you're listening, she had to tell me that. Um, I was so busy trying to be Superman and trying to be everything to everyone. No, I don't want let, no, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. And one day she said to me, um, November-ish, she said, Jerome, you can't do everything by yourself. You have deposited a lot into the teachers and the kids. It's time for you to make some withdrawals. And she said it, and I went, wow, because there were some things coming. She said, you can't do it, but we can't do it alone. We have to rely on the leadership team, you know, key teachers, mm. and it made sense. So during the, the middle of my first year, is when I learned exactly what you talked about. When you make enough deposits, when it's time to make a withdrawal, people will respond because they remember what you did, what you said, how you made them feel. That's right. So, yeah, I, I, I knew that. Really quality schools, and especially high schools, but um, really quality schools, there is a sense of pride in the mm-hmm. community relative mm-hmm. to that school, mm-hmm. right? And I know... Um, that was uh, that's always been really important to you. It was one thing I noticed when we were working together right, that right. you really focused on community pride. Mm-hmm. What have you found in, in terms of the climate and the culture and the impact when you improve that in the schools, mm-hmm. the school, the impact that can have on the surrounding community? What have you noticed and learned? Absolutely. You know, Roswell is, is a very unique. Um, like Alpharetta High School, we share the name of our town. And before Centennial High School in Roswell, we were the only high school in Roswell. So just that alone meant the world to people who had gone there before, the alumni, um, ev- everyone really. But um, Roswell in particular, even though it's a large high school, it's kind of a, a, a small town. And so, go, so, so goes Roswell, so goes the town. So I think community, when, when I was there, community members want to know, Jerome, we want to make sure that when we have businesses that want to start, you know, a company in Roswell, or if there is a big business in the city of Atlanta, that you know, where are they going to send their kids to school? You know, we want we want to be sure that we can say to them, listen, if you move out in the suburbs, think about Roswell High School. It could be Alfred, it could be Milton, anywhere, but think about Roswell High School. Um, and as I continue to um, work in Roswell, many businesses um, begin to 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 thrive in Roswell. And one of the first things they want to know is, tell me about the high school. No, tell me not just the academics, you know, and not just um, the athletics, and all, and both of those are great. But tell me about the the teachers. Tell me about the the sub life in Roswell. What happens when the kids leave Roswell High School? Are the teachers happy? Are parents happy to send their kids there? And before long, um, the city of Roswell, um, and I was part of the Rotary um, Club. They begin to pour money into Roswell and they began to pour um, personnel there. We started um, a program um, for a segment of our students who normally would not go to high school, I'm sorry, go to college. 
And the Rotary Club of Roswell um, began to say, you know what, we, we want to pour some money to help those kids who are not, um, who may not, or, or may not want to go um, to college. And they, be, they began to do that. Um, that meant a lot to the school. It meant a lot to the community. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it meant a lot to the community. So, um, you know, it's, it, right now, you're working with other principals, correct? correct. Right. So, uh, so listeners, you may not, um, if you don't know Jerome Huff, he, you know, quote, re- retired a couple of years ago. What's funny about Jerome is he doesn't look like a retired man. I think he looks about 20 years younger than he actually is. I'll take but it. I'll yeah, take yeah, it. it's a compliment. You, you, you look good, Jerome. So, um, but right now you're working with principals, right? Correct. And so maybe just give us a little bit about that because I have a question relative to sure. the kind of advice that you would give other principals? Sure. So um, as of April the 1st, I work with the Georgia Department of Education, and my official title is School Effectiveness Specialist. In layman's terms, it's a principal coach. And I am assigned currently to two high schools and two elementary schools. Unfortunately, um, the schools that I work with are the lowest performing, the lowest 5% um, in the state. And let me tell you, um, it has been an absolute joy working with all of them. Um, it's ranging from two principals who this is their fifth year to the other two principals is their first year. And the teach the, the principals who are in their fifth year, as I begin to work with them and talk with them and lead with them, they're soaking up uh, the information and, and knowledge that I have shared with them. Um, and I kind of thought, oh, they're not going to listen to me. You know, I've been here five years. You know, what's the big deal? But they realize uh, that, you know, that, that, that they need help. And they're, and they're soaking up the help. And I appreciate it. And the first-year principals, you know, it's, it's kind of like, a, for me, a kid in a candy store. Oh, I can't wait to tell you what's, what's going on. And on, on the subject of school culture, to all of them, I tell them, I say, one of the things that you, you have to make sure that you do and if you haven't, then you can always start over. You have to let them know that we have to build this positive climate. That, and even though the teachers may feel, well, gosh, you know, look at our performance so far. You know, but you can change that. You can change that in one day. You can change the beginning of that in one day. So, and I'm hoping that one segment at least that I want to sh- you know, I share with them, you can, you can build positive school climate. That's, that is not... Well, I'm going to say it's not hard to do, but it can be done. It can be done. Okay, so organizations, schools, I, this is the case too even in businesses. Often it's, it's um, tempting and relatively easy to choose a goal that's really aligned to something that you can quickly measure. Right? That's our goal. Our goal is, well, in a school it may be, say, a graduation rate. And it may be the bottom line uh, in a particular company or corporation. Mm -hmm. However, I think sometimes it takes a lot of bravery to say, we're going to focus on culture. Right. Because it's kind of slippery. It's a little nebulous, right? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. How do you describe it? How do you measure culture? That's true. But when leaders do that, Mm -hmm. sometimes the dividends actually show up exactly. in some of the metrics, right? Exactly, exactly. So being that you're working with principals now, you've now you've been a principal yourself mm-hmm. several times over and had a lot of success. 
What practical advice would you give to a principal relative to how they focus on, you know, culture and climate of a school? Mm-hmm. So what are those, you know, the, what must a principal do, if that makes sense? Uh, it does make sense. I, I think um, I didn't do this, and I probably should have done it, um, but I think it's important that principals try to find places that have positive school cultures and climates, um, whether it's in their district or whether it's in another district, and, and actually go to that particular school. You know, it's always it's one thing to call, but it's another thing to visit. Um, to go and visit and see, what, what are you doing? You know, what, what did you do? What, what were some of your pitfalls? And to learn from it. Now, of course, you're going to have to put your own sauce on your own school. Right. But you, you, have, to, you have to aspire to, to you know, toward, the, I, I saw this school. I kind of want to be like them. You know, let me, let me see. Let me practice what they did. You, you have to go look. And you, and you have to listen. To pe- you have to listen to people. That's why I tell them all the time. Listen to people who've been in your shoes before. And, and see what pitfalls they had first because everything is not going to be easy at first. Um, but building a, a, a positive school climate, a positive school culture, um, it's, it's, just, it's just so. And, and, and sometimes I say, I have said, you can't teach it to anyone. You kind of have to practice it and you kind of have to live it because you, you can't. You can try. And, and plus, I think the other thing, it has to be inside of you, in, in my opinion. Yeah. No one can force me to love kids no one can and I, and I have my own way of love I can I can fuss at a kid one minute but the second minute you know I can, I can praise them and they know it's genuine they know it's not it's not fake um you you got you got it has to come from within so and if they don't have it from within you get you got to find it somewhere otherwise it is a lost cause so visit talk to other principals who have positive school climates see what they're doing and, and also, you, 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 you got to pull it from within. Cause in, in, and people need to feel it. If they don't feel that from you, it is going to be a disaster. It's, it's not going to be, I don't know what kind of culture it's going to be. It's, 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 it's going to be toxic, is what you said before. And no one will want to come to work. You have teachers who are leaving. You have students who are unhappy. Discipline is, is off the chart. Parents are unhappy pulling the kids out of school. Uh, it, needs to, it needs to be a happy place. Um, I always talk about this is when I got to Roswell, the culture of Roswell was already there, in, in my opinion, and the climate was, too. There were a few things that I wanted to tweak because, I, you know, I have a different personality from the other principal, as we all do, just like the current principal at Roswell High has a different personality from me. And, and that's cool. That mm-hmm. is cool. But it's, there are always subcultures in the school, how the teachers act, how the kids act, how the paraprofessionals act, how the custodians act, how the cafeterias act. And it's, it's almost like you're being a magician trying to make sure that you're interacting with all of these entities, you know, the, the, the secretaries. Everybody is so important. So how, I, how we did that, I almost said I. How we did that, I do not know. And it's something else I tell principals all the time, the new principals all the time, even before I left Fulton, is that um, people always say, hey, your cafeteria staff is important. They are. The custodial staff is important. They are. Your secretaries, especially your front office secretary, is important. She is or he is. And you have to find a way to connect with them. And when you have all of those entities, um, that puzzle, put together, I, I'm, it is unmatched. And 
I tell you, it's I have been very fortunate to have that happen to me three times at a school. It didn't start off as, as easy um, at cer- certain way. Well, it didn't start off easy at all, but you see the dividends. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, at Roswell High, um, at our first pep rally, they introduced the, the new principal and the new football players. Well, when they introduced me, because I came in, I had my Jer- Jerome sauce. When they introduced me, Dr. Rose, I was booed. I don't know if I told you the story or not. <laughs> it was the second or third week of school. They booed when they said, okay, now we want to introduce what? the new principal, Mr. Huff. The senior class, they booed me. What, what had you done? You, you had done something. <laughs> I did. Um, well, there were a few, cha- few rules that I, um, there were a few rules that I, that I did. There were a few rules that I did, that I, that I changed. And they didn't like it. They did not like it at all. And the parents didn't like it. Um, and so they booed me. And I and all I could do was grin and smile. And I said to my sister principal, I said, are they booing me? Jerome, they are booing you. So I just laughed. So I don't know what I said. I know I waved. Um, but you, my, you've got thick skin, Jerome. I, I do. And and this and this was in and this was in front of twenty five hundred kids and staff. And it, it was it was it was unbelievable. But by the end of the year, you know, I had a little nickname at Roswell High. Uh, it was Huff Daddy. So they were they were Huff Daddying me. So it was all cool by that time. Okay, so to to prove that I am an effective listener, okay. um, I want to make sure that I um, kind of wrap this up because you you said some really key points mm-hmm. just now. So this this is what I heard you say. I heard you say number one. Make sure that you find other models. A leader yes. should look to other models. They should they should research what has worked Absolutely. in other places, right? Um, that that's a wise thing to do. Number two, I heard you say that um, a leader still has to assess their local environment to determine, even if they have a positive Absolutely. culture and positive climate, there's always things to work on Absolutely. and improve. So they. They have to truly understand their environment. Absolutely. And then the third thing that I heard you say is you have to love your work, mm-hmm. right? So you have to, whether you have to dig deep probably at times, because mm-hmm. as you know, sometimes the day-to-day is brutal, Correct. right? Correct. So you have to find that joy because if you don't have that joy and you don't bring that and exude that at work, mm-hmm. people will see it and they will feel it. Absolutely. Right? And the last piece of advice I heard you say is, you gotta be you. Mm-hmm. So for example, you mentioned, right, you and then your sauce, the school sauce, right? Mm-hmm. That's you. Yeah. Leaders have to own their strategy. Correct. Right, as opposed to try to pretend or pose relative to someone else's strategy. Absolutely. Those are the themes I heard. Did I, did I say that You correctly? said it exactly right. And you know, the second point you made about assessing um, you know, what you need to do, and it's not just your first year, but every year. If you're there for six years, you need to assess the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, and the sixth to find out, am I missing something? And I want to say, I don't think I did this my sixth year at Roswell High School, but I know I went to the departments at the beginning of the year and said, what is something that the admin team did? And then sometimes I said, what did I do? What do I need to work on? You know, and sometimes it was said out loud. Sometimes it was emailed to me. But, and I was not, I was, I'm very thick-skinned. So, you know, I said, you know what? They are absolutely right. And 
what what again new principles when they told me some of the things I needed to work on I didn't email back I said it in front of the faculty meeting I said you know guys I've I received an email from um, from one of your colleagues that said I need to do X Y and Z she was absolutely correct I need to do and I will do my best to do that and you could you almost feel like oh my gosh you know and I meant it you know because I want them to know that I am not above reproach that t tell me an issue you know and and I'll try to solve it. Now, it didn't happen every time now. I'm just going to be honest with you now. Right. What, yeah, what did you say? You said what? No, you're wrong. You're wrong. But anyway. But yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So the, the, the one thing that uh, I also wanted to talk about with you is this interplay between school culture and district culture. Hmm. Um, it's always been very important to me as I transition from... You know, I was too was a principal at one particular time, right. and uh, my path led me in the direction mm -hmm. of leadership at the district level. But I, I came to the realization that I wanted to lead the school district mm -hmm. like a really quality principal right. would lead a school. Right, right. I wanted to ensure that our schools knew we were a district, mm -hmm. not a district of schools. Um, in fact, I did an activity, and if you don't remember uh, me ever doing this, just, just lie and pretend that you did. I would often have our principals close their eyes and envision their school, go through a process of what does it sound like, smell mm. like, feel yes, like, yes, yes. and then I would remind them, listen, I'm sorry, but that's not your school. Mm -hmm. It's our school, mm. and there's a difference Yeah, because you share each other's community and by the way i'm part of the community too this is our right. school not just yours right and i think that's but the interplay between district culture and school culture they can either support one another or they can clash mm -hmm. right so did you notice that as a principal as far as the, the clashing or the interplay or yeah did you notice how important it was um, did you notice sometimes the, the differences between school culture and district culture, whether they, um, how about this, when they worked well, when they came together and worked well and supported mm -hmm. one another, mm -hmm. what, did that, what did that seem like? You know, I'm, I'm going to say yes, I did notice it because I, was, I worked in Fulton County for 17 years. And I will say, um, um, you being one of them, of the superintendents, um, it was really important to you guys that, and I'm trying to say this in a in a simple way, um, when a principal calls and and needs your help, mm -hmm. I don't think they're call it's not they're not calling you lightly, you know. Right, right. Stop what you're doing and see what's going on with the principal. See if they need your help, and many departments adhered to that and it yeah. and it made us feel because we talked about it now you know i called down to finance and they gave me the boot they yeah. didn't even pick up the phone well you may call to another department and it was like hey principal huff how you, look wait just one second we're going to send resources hold on i don't know the answer but let me get someone online who can that makes a difference um that you're being listened to that some solutions are being um created um and it makes a difference of how you parlay that back to your staff. But it, absolutely. Um, and when you feel that the district doesn't care for you or care about your particular situation because every school is different, um, it, it does make you, you kind of get in your feelings a little bit. And you're like, well, why, why bother? 
You know, right. that puts you in a cranky mood, and then you don't, then you have this whatever is going on at the school. You don't you don't want to do it because you feel like you're not getting any help. So you know, districts they need to practice what they preach. You know, if they're telling us positive school climate, then you need to make sure that you do, you're doing the same thing. So, right. but I, I do see a, a direct correlation between districts and if you have a happy school, then, you know, districts have a part in that as well, especially if they're reaching out for help to make that happy place. Now I'm, I'm racking my head. I certainly hope I answered the phone when you called me, Jerome. Well, there was this one time that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, you did. You, you really did. You yeah. Really did. Well, you know, um, I, I, I have found that um, if, if districts rely on their schools to carry the culture, then, um, then they're missing something. Mm-hmm. I think that a district has the ability to support and model as best they can exactly. so that, like you say, they are practicing what they preach mm-hmm. relative to how they treat those that they're trying to lead. Exactly. And it's the same concept of depositing. Exactly. A central office needs to deposit in their schools mm-hmm. so that it doesn't feel as though there's a huge leap right. from the school to the central office. Right. You're actually one team with different roles and exactly. responsibilities. You know, it's almost like um, I, I always made it a point. I wanted my front office staff, my administrative team, my secretaries, my custodians. I wanted them to be a reflection of me. So hopefully the schools are a reflection of the district. So if Fulton County or DeKalb or Cobb, if they're to attract, you know, parents who are coming in from Europe or wherever they're coming from, from, you know, uh, job related um, things, then, yeah, why move to Cobb? Well, because there's so many schools to choose from. You know, we don't know what to do. That's a good thing. You know, when you have a, a district that has a culture and a cadre of schools that they're having a hard time deciding, I don't know where to go. I loved when parents would say, Mr. Huff, you're our third school. We don't know what we're going to do. It's between Roswell and blah, and blah, and blah. You know, yeah. I'm not going to say Milton. But it had a, um, that, that was a good thing for Fulton County. Like, man, we don't know. That is a good thing when, when a district can brag on they have several schools that have um, good reputations, and part of the reputation is, is positive school cultures and positive school climates. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I had a professor um, years ago when I was in my uh, doctorate program, and he used to say, and this is over, you know, taking courses in policy work, and he would say, policy is as policy does. And, you know, and actually I, I was unaware of what he meant for quite some time, but he would always say it, policy is as policy does. And eventually I came to understand that his point was there are policies that are often in place and some you actually practice and sometimes you don't. There are some policies that aren't written down at all and yet you still practice right. them to a T. Right. And his point was that's because that policy, even though it may not be written down, is aligned to the culture, whether that is positive mm-hmm. or toxic. Right. So the concept is policy is not as important as culture. Mm-hmm. In fact, because mm. culture drives not just actions, but ultimately the climate and how people feel about the place. Right, right. right? Exactly right. Um, and, you know, we've all heard this uh, quote. No one really knows who said it. 
sometimes people give Drucker the, the credit that culture eats strategy for breakfast, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's that important. And so I'm thrilled that you've been here. And so, you know, Jerome, in our conversation around culture and climate, is there anything that you think that we missed that we didn't talk about that um, you just need our listeners to hear? You know, um, someone said, said this to me um, when I first became a principal. Matter of fact, it was my area superintendent, uh, Mr. Bob Lynch. I don't know if you had the pleasure of meeting him before. And I did not. Um, such a wise man. He, he said to me in his um, Minnesota accent, um, he said, Jerome, you are the face of the school. At that particular time, it was Roswell North. And I carried that with me. I'm the face of Roswell North. I'm the face of Elkins Point. I'm the face and voice of Roswell High School. So what, what am I saying to everyone? When they come to the, visit the schools, and they, whatever feeling they get, then what was I saying? You know, what was, my, what was my message? So it was up to me to build up everyone in that school, to make everyone in that school feel valued. Um, and I couldn't just say it with my mouth. I had to prove it to them every single day they needed to feel valued. And, um, and when, you, when you do that, I feel you're going to have a low teacher turnover. You're going to have happy parents. You're going to have kids who are thriving and want to come to school. And you'll even have seniors calling you Huff Daddy, you know, when you know you've done your job right. But just, just new principals and veteran uh, principals, just know that you are, you're the face of that school. And how you treat that school um, is how the community and the district is going to treat you. So um, it, it's just building that positive culture and school climate. You can do anything, improve grad rates, improve EOC scores, improve um, dropout rate, you know, every, everything. You can improve everything because the school and everyone in it knows that this principal's, principal has my best interest at heart. And when they can see it and they can feel it, then the sky's the limit. Ladies and gentlemen, I am uh, privileged to know Jerome, but um, I was just really fortunate to be able to have worked with you for thank some you, time. Thank you, Dr. Rose. So, thank, uh, you. thank you for being part of the show. Absolutely. And I think this is, the, this is truly aligned to the very intent of this show is talking to people relative to how leadership matters in schools. And I just have a, a, a deep belief that it does. And uh, in many, many ways, Jerome, you've proven it. So thank, thank you. you for being here today. Thank you, Dr. Rose. Thank you. Dr. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose. And once again, I hope that you had a wonderful 4th of July. Be well. listening to Leading Education with Jeff Rose, hosted by Jason Pace and Jeff Rose, and recorded at Serendipity Labs in Alpharetta, Georgia. We are produced and edited by Carson Pace. Our theme music is by Full Year of Panic. If you're listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, hit the subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We'll see you next week.